Welcome to a podcast of a sermon delivered at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood in New Jersey. Our congregation is a place where you will find inspiration in the richness of diverse beliefs and the power of community. Detailed information about the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood is available on our website, uuridgewood.org. And now please join in the words for lighting the chalice. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the energy of action as we gather together in the circle of community. All right, take a deep breath. On this cold but sunny morning, breathe in slowly. Try to make your body as still as you can. Try to be as quiet as you can. This time, our time here together, is different. It's special time. All of you, and all of who each of you are, is welcome here. Take a deep breath and listen. So every Sunday we use those same welcome words. Whoever you are, whatever you believe, you are welcome here. Our desire to welcome is part of what makes Unitarian Universalist congregations special. When I was young, there was a word that was used a lot, the word tolerance, right? You were meant to cultivate tolerance as a way of increasing our understanding of the interconnections of all life, as a way of creating a better world. But tolerance, we figured out, really isn't enough. When you tolerate something, you put up with it. But here, we don't just believe in putting up with each other. We believe in welcoming each other, embracing each other, supporting each other, loving each other. And when you do that, when you approach the world from a position of embrace, support, deep love, everything changes. Suddenly, the health and safety of others matters in a way that it might not have before. Suddenly, your desire to help, not harm, increases. Suddenly, that interdependent web that we talk about is no longer simply about the fact of sharing the same oxygen and planet and being made of the same cells— It becomes a site of love and compassion, drawing us across differences. This morning, we're going to celebrate our children's work in their religious education program over these past three weeks. There, they have been cultivating that sense of love and compassion for the connected web, and they've learned about how many people suffer. They've had chances, and we will all have the chance today, to put our welcoming, embracing, supporting, and loving faith into action. Welcome to this all-congregation service as we affirm the interdependent web of existence of which we are a part, and as we rededicate ourselves to serving justice with love. Good morning, everyone. I'm Jean Namitz. I'm the Director of Religious Education here, and I want to take a few moments just to walk you through the three weeks uh, culminating this week, our fourth week, in January Justice, which is a time when our children and most of our teens, 
to take a break from our beautiful curriculums to focus, to really sort of a hyper-focus on a particular area of social justice and justice making. This year, the CYRE committee, which is the Children, Youth, Religious Education Committee, decided that we would focus on hunger in our neighborhood and that we would work with our children and teens to understand the basic facts around hunger right where we live and see if we could together, and I have to say I was brought to tears. I've seen this soul pancake a few times and it still brought me to tears. If we can journey together to understand it and to learn how we can help. So next few minutes I want to just go through that with you. First of all, I'm going to ask the kids. We have listed on the first week, we asked what towns they lived in. And this is a smattering of towns. It's sort of interesting to me. Eleven towns. I think we're a regional congregation. What do you think? Look at all those towns. Some of them are the city. Some of them are out of Bergen County. Warwick. I, I was surprised to see all the elements of where people come and how far people come to come to USR. But let me ask the kids here. Uh, who's from Warwick? Anybody here? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's Kyle's dad. <laughs> so let me ask the kids who, who are from these towns, are people hungry in your town? What do you think? Can I have one or two kids? Are people, yes. I think they are. Yes, I think so too. Yeah, so we listed these 11 places that people are from, and what we realized is that one out of five that we heard about in the Soul Pancake video is actually uh, true in Bergen County, for example. One in five people go hungry. And while that song was so delightful and brought smiles to our faces, Food, Glorious Food, those of you who have seen Oliver know that that takes place in Victoria, England, where you know, orphans were warehoused. And what they're talking about gleefully and longingly expresses their food insecurity, right? So we're going to, we're, we had a journey around hunger and food insecurity. And the Center for Food Action that we're working with estimates that one in five residents, just like nationally, one in five people as well as one in five children go hungry in Bergen County. We also learned, the kids learned, how hungry people are helped in our neighborhoods. What does that look like? And we looked at food pantries, soup kitchens, family shelters. And the kids, as you know, last week, for those hardy souls who came out uh, last week with the inclement weather, created buttons and slogans around ending hunger. And you actually bought all the buttons and we raised over $300 for the food, uh, for the Center for Food Action. Um, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Another example is that the Center for Food Action has a very innovative program that they call the Weekend Snack Pack Program. And this is aimed at children who, school children who suffer from hunger and food insecurity. 
And what happens is that little pack down below, which we are going to assemble after service times 500, um, is the thing that can go home with children for the weekend because we have found we cannot assume that children are going home to a dinner or people or children are going home for the weekend where there is food in the cabinets. And, you know, for those of us who live in the bountiness of Bergen County, it's hard to imagine, but the Center for Food Action is here to remind us that it very much is a reality for some school children. So our children are going to pinpoint helping school children who suffer from hunger and food insecurity along with your help today. Then we looked at how does our government help people who suffer from hunger and food insecurity. And we looked at things that probably a lot of you are familiar with. Uh, food stamps, which is called the SNAP program. We looked at the idea of, um, of uh, the food services that are provided on Native American reservations that actually are not an entitlement program. They are part of the charter between federal government and Indian reservations, Native American reservations. We looked at the WIC program, which looks at infancy and, and mother's breastfeeding and nutritious programs. So we looked at all these programs where the government is helping. I'm going to ask Erin and Jean to come forward just to give an example of what a safety net looks like, because what, we're, what our children have journeyed through in understanding is that between local organizations like the Center for Food Action and our government programs, we have created a safety net. Now, can I ask one of the kids, like if you are an acrobat, right, and you are trying some daring things on trapezes, what does the safety net do? Now, I know this is sort of obvious, but what does the safety net do? Yes. It'll catch you, number one, the most important, right? What else? It'll keep you safe. It'll catch you. It'll keep you safe. Anything else? Yeah. It'll stop you from getting hurt. Was there somebody behind you that had their hand up? Okay, okay, yes. These are all really, really important. So when we start talking about the safety net, for hunger, yes. Stop you from hurting any of your body parts, absolutely. So we know that a safety net sometimes is life or death. Well, it is the safety net that makes up these programs, right? Food stamps and WIC and the food services that, are, that happen on Native American reservations for the very elderly and the very young, all these programs constitute a safety net. And so when we look at the safety net, and there's the net coming out, we see that there are a lot of people who depend on this safety net. Now, anybody wanna guess how many people receive food stamps? 5 million is a good guess, but it's larger. Anybody else? 90 million. No. <laughs> However, <laughs> yes. What's that? 
40 actually. Isn't that a, a staggering number? So there are 40 people. And if you imagine uh, all the balls in here, safety net are, imagine 40 million balls, right? Those are the people benefiting from these programs that keep them safe, that keep them from harm, and keep them fed, right? So what happens when this net runs out of funds? Well, the net, okay. What happens when the programs begin to eliminate services and food due to budget cuts or government shutdown, right? The people are out of the safety net. And what happens if programs close down or there is an interruption in services and food? And I'm just going to say that in the government shutdown, what we know about these programs is that there was enough food ordered through February but the budget that would allow to reorder and the food themselves that is in warehouses was due to run out by the end of February. So not only are we learning about hunger here, but we're also learning about government programs and we get a direct experience of what happens when government shuts down. So these are all the things that the kids have learned, but I tell you, one of the most valuable things we can do today after service is to stand side by side with each other and actually do an action together. And that's what we'll be doing today. We will be assembling, um, and Ira will help us assemble. He's really good at this. Ira is teaching Al right now, but he's going to come back and whip us all into shape very quickly. And we're going to assemble 500 of these snack packs for children. And I want to just end with saying, you know, what's next for January Justice? We had four weeks now, three weeks learning about hunger in our neighborhoods, the final week celebrating together and actually doing an act of justice making together. But how does this continue? We are, Reverend Sarah and I, bound and determined, and the committee, the CYRE committee, bound and determined that this carry on. And so what we've decided is January justice is year long and that our intent is to provide opportunities for the RE families always to be joined by the rest of the congregation in justice making as it relates to hunger in our neighborhood. And so stay tuned through the year, all the way through next December, we will be offering three or four activities. What we hear from parents a lot is, you know, what, what can I do with small children? How can I introduce the concept of justice making? What's an appropriate activity? So that will be the committee's job and my job to come up with those activities and also invite us into deeper community with each other by having our, our congregation join us. So thank you, everyone, and thank you to the CYRE committee. Thanks. So as I'm sure you heard me say before, we are all together this morning, no matter how young or how old. Normally our children are downstairs in religious education, but this is what we call one of our all-congregation services. It's a wonderful way for us to be in community on Sunday mornings, and of course it does sometimes present challenges. I know that not everybody can sit perfectly still for an hour, right? I know that it's hard to be quiet for that long, <laughs> there you go. <coughs> yeah. 
We do always make a special time on Sunday mornings. We call it our meditation time, and all of us use it in different ways for breathing, reflecting, praying, meditating, whatever feels right for us. And during that time, I usually will say a few words and encourage deep breathing, and then we sit together for a few minutes of silence. But I want to share some things before we start to do this today, and I'm going to talk to the children for a second. I just want to let you children know, even the adults don't do it perfectly. Sometimes they sneeze, or they cough, or they rustle their order of service in their hands, or their body gets restless and I can see it happening. It's okay, okay? It's okay. This time is about being here together, present to each other, and present to each other's humanness. Our humanness includes our need to move our bodies around sometimes. So all I ask of everyone during this time is that you do your very best to take deep, slow breaths, to be as still as you can, or to move quietly if you need to move, and to try to listen first to what I say and then listen to the silence that we come into together, okay? So take a big, deep breath. If it helps, you can close your eyes. It might also help to put your hands on your belly so you can feel your body rise and fall as you take your deep breaths. Big, deep, slow breaths. This morning, as we affirm all the ways that we are one, we offer gratitude for this community of doers, givers, huggers, welcomers. We give thanks for the families that hold us and love us. We give thanks for friends that listen to us, that play with us, that help make our lives joyful. We give thanks for all that we have for all that is good in the world. And we wish for others that they might know communities and friends and families that love them as we are loved and love them just as they are. In the silence, we each give thanks in our own way. So where, near where I live, there's a playground, and that playground has a really big metal gate, and the gate is always broken, right? So it's this big, heavy metal thing that continuously causes injuries. Scrapes on the metal itself, pinches in the hinges, knee and head bangs from when it's swinging back and forth. So lots of injuries from this one big swinging metal gate. I want you to remember the gate, because we're going to come back to it in a minute. When we talk together about things that are wrong in the world, we use this word justice a lot. It's a big word that we use here often. It's in the mission of this congregation that we will work for justice. We don't always talk about the word charity. Sometimes we think of that word as lesser, right, as not not doing as much or being as meaningful. So can someone tell me a definition for the word justice? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, peace. Um, no bad things 
Okay. Other definitions for justice? Yeah, Michael. Equal rights. Equal rights, Abby. Fairness. Not allowing violence. These are all really great answers, right? Fairness, equality, good things for all people. So what might be a definition for charity? Adults can answer too. <laughs> you weren't allowed to answer. Yes. Raising money to help people. Kirsten. Kindness. Any others? Hope. Okay, so one way to think about charity is giving like giving actual things to meet people's needs, right? So they're different. Justice and charity are different things. So let's go back to the gate for a minute. It'll help us get a better idea. Imagine that a kid gets a cut on the gate. What do you think the grown-ups in that kid's life are going to do? Yeah, Abby. Band-aid. Clean the cut. Put a band-aid on. Yes. I can't hear. Make sure it doesn't get infected, right? Treat the cut, protect the cut, right? Because right then, right in that moment, that child needs help, right? You have to make it better if you can in the moment instantly. That's charity, in a sense. What else could the grown-ups do, though? Fix the gate. Thank you. Yes, exactly. They can work on getting the gate fixed. They could put up a sign that warned people until it got fixed, right? Because until the actual gate is fixed, people are still going to get hurt and still going to need help. Fixing the gate is justice. It's getting to the root of the things that are causing pain. It's figuring out what is preventing people from living their full and whole liberated lives and then removing those structural blocks. Charity meets immediate needs, and justice tries to remove the drivers of need. Both are absolutely necessary. You can't let a kid sit and bleed while you fix the gate, and you can't just throw a Band-Aid on and pretend the gate isn't going to cause more injuries. You have to do both. That's what our children were learning this month as they learned about hunger in their neighborhoods, and it's what all of us are going to have the chance to do today put both pillars of a changed world into action, both pillars of our lived faith. So the children will make available to us a um, petition, so you can sign that as a way of advocating for actual structural change. And then we're going to pack these snack bags so that people who need something right now get that help that they need. There are, these are truly the pillars not only of this congregation's mission, but also of our Unitarian Universalist faith. Our call to social justice and to caring for each other through charity is grounded in the foundational ideals that we aspire to. The idea that all people are worthy and loved. The idea that we live together in this interconnected existence. Unitarian Universalists have a belief in a shared future and a belief in an abiding love that often leads us to righteous anger over injustices that seem so clear and easy to fix. This love for others <clears throat> and this anger at injustice compel us to treat each other with kindness, to care for each other, and to work hard to make this world better for everyone. I want you to think for a minute about that net that Aaron and Jean held up. It was demonstrating the safety net that holds up people who need help, but I want you to picture it again, that really finely woven net. Think about that as the web of existence of which we are a part, right? That's how I think of it. When I think of the web, I literally think about this giant web. 
The earth and its creatures, certainly, and all of the people. Every single one of us a part of the fabric of that web. And it means that what affects one of us is going to affect all of us. A little ripple travels across the whole thing. In the video, someone said we're hurting our nation by allowing hunger to continue. We're hurting our whole world. The lost potential, the moral impact on all of us, it isn't just felt by those who are in need. It's felt by any of us who allow systems of oppression to perpetuate. This web that is made of us also holds us, keeps us connected to all life and to the deepest meaning of things. And one thing about the web that I know is that it is suffused with energy and the will to survive, and it is suffused by and maintained by a pervading love. We're in it, we are of it, we are held by it, each one of us making the web stronger. Each one of us, when we come with love and a sense of connection to all things, becomes part of what makes life work, makes life beautiful, makes it whole. When we understand that our lives are so intertwined, when we come to love each other, we can come to change the world. The librarian in that video said you can't look at the children and not feel love for them. When we look at each other and truly listen to each other's pain, we do find our hearts opened. And then we're compelled to do whatever we can, both charity work and justice work, to ease the pain of our fellow human beings. It's central to what we strive to do here, central to what we teach our children is of value, central to what it means to live our Unitarian Universalist faith. May we never forget the righteous anger that fuels justice-seeking, the truth of our interconnections that breed compassion and gentleness, and the power of love that keeps us holding each other. Please remain standing and join in the words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, not the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the energy of action burn bright in our hearts until we are together again. It is so important to do what we can in every way that we can for hurting people in a broken world. Because for all the pain, there is hope, there is compassion, there is generosity, and there is love. May you be a force for good all the days of your life.